0: Father in heaven, we are thankful that we can worship the name of Jesus this morning, how beautiful it is to us, Lord, the name that means Savior and brings true redemption to our fallen world. We pray that he would come back quickly, and we pray that today more than ever before as we look at all the stuff going on around us, we pray that he would come back. And yet, Lord, we know the reason he doesn't is because He, you are providing more time for people to repent. You would have been fully just in judging us long ago, but you continue to delay and give opportunity for repentance. And we pray that we would not only we ourselves, but a lost and dying world that needs to hear your truth. Lord, this morning, if there's somebody out there who's tuning in for the first time or maybe just happened to come upon a church service or or at the end of their rope and don't know what to do, we pray that they would hear from you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the word, that you are the word made flesh, and your Holy Spirit is powerful to reveal that to us. And we pray that he would this morning. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Welcome here. If you're just tuning in, my name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell. And what we would like to do today, what I'm going to attempt to do with today's sermon or talk is that we've been going through the book of First Peter, this New Testament letter for the last several months at our church, because it's an important book for not only the church back then, but the church today. And it has a very important message for us. And we've seen that big picture message and then we've dived into some of the details. And now I want to pull back once again and just remind us of the big idea of what Peter is trying to communicate to the church in Asia Minor, but also to the church in mid-Michigan and wherever you're at today. So this is the message of 1 Peter summarized in one sermon. Normally I would take a passage of scripture and we would read through it and we'd pull out certain points and really look at it. But again, today's is more of a macro level, high level flyover. So I may list some Bible verses, and you can look those up later. But I want you to understand the idea of the big picture of what's happening in the book, and so that's what we're going to go after today. So, if you saw the graphics in the sermon series or any of the slides that were circulating before today's service began, you saw that it was entitled "Joy Ahead." That the theme of the book of 1 Peter, in my view is joy ahead. There's a lot of ways in which this book is interpreted, but in chapter one, verses one and six in the New Living Translation, it says this. Now we live with great expectation for there is wonderful, wonderful joy ahead. Now, to be fair and to be clear, many commentators will say that this book's theme is not necessarily joy ahead, but suffering. And you could see how one would get there because there's such a heavy emphasis on suffering and struggle and toil and pain in the book. How do we get through the fiery t- trials? How do we resist the devil? How do we do this thing called daily life? It's all about suffering. Well, not exactly. You see, suffering for its own sake is merely suffering. And the book of 1 Peter is not just saying, go out and suffer and have fun and it'll feel good. But instead, what the book of First Peter is saying is, yes, realistically, there will be a tremendous amount of suffering in our lives. We will face it on a daily basis and some greater than others. But the point is not just to suffer for suffering's sake, but instead to endure successfully suffering for the sake of the crown. Why? Because there's tremendous, tremendous joy ahead. Now, when I say the word joy it's very possible that we're sitting there and saying, "Okay, I think I know what joy is I mean to me it's happiness I had a good day, something worked out something didn't i don't feel joyful no that's not what the Bible's talking about when the Bible says joy, what it means is this everlasting satisfaction and fulfillment this shalom this eternal place of peace and happiness where everything is just as it should be now We look at our worlds and we say, well, how can we experience that now? And of course, we're not going to experience perfect peace now, but we do get a very real sense now of what is to come. And what is to come informs what we are experiencing now and then changes our daily experience. So the point is, with this joy ahead, this thing that we're looking forward to, We will be changed even now on a daily basis. So the theme of 1 Peter is joy ahead. And again, that joy is not like I won, my team won the Super Bowl or something good happened. That joy is actually the fulfillment of what the Bible calls the good news of our salvation, the kingdom of God, so that at some point in the future, based on what Jesus did in the past. The king has come and the king will come again. And when he does, everything that's bad will be done away with. And like Jesus, who was resurrected from the dead and given a new body and raised to live in perfect glory forever and evermore, so too shall we be. We will have a new body. We will have a new heavens and a new earth. There will be a new government and Christ will reign and all will be well. That is the tremendous joy we're looking forward to. Now, of course, we're not there yet. Right now, we're in the midst of our struggle. And so the first book, the book of first Peter is telling us, OK, realistically, Peter knows that persecution is coming to that church. Peter knows that we will experience struggle and suffering. And so what he's going to do is say to his readers this. He says, look, there is tremendous joy ahead. Yeah, there are a lot of curves and twists and turns in your journey to get there. Yeah, there are bumps and bruises and storms and speed bumps and potholes all along the way. But at the end of the day, There is tremendous joy ahead. And so like a pilot, set your sights on what is to come. Set your sights on the joy that is ahead. Therefore, verse one says, verse six of chapter one, even though you suffer for a little while, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So joy is where we're headed. Joy is our destination. Joy is where our mind should go, where our heart should go, what our sights should be set on. That's the message of the book of 1 Peter. He says, yeah, there's going to be suffering. It's going to be hard. But set your mind, set your hope, set your sights fully on the joy that is ahead of you. Okay, Pastor Jeremy, that's great. You've explained to me The future joy. There's something really, really good out there, and I'm looking forward to that. But what about today? What about right now? What about the suffering? What about the struggles? What about the trials? What about that? Good news. Very good news. In fact, in the Bible, there is something that theologians or Bible scholars or other people, too, just like me and you, call the conformity pattern. The conformity pattern. Now, I've mentioned this earlier in this book, but I want to review it again because this is the thing that essentially determines how we do in our struggling and in our suffering. The conformity pattern. And what it is, is this. Here's the conformity pattern. The conformity pattern for Christians, for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord for those who believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, for those who have repented of their sins and committed themselves to follow Christ and let him determine everything in their life, for those people, the Bible tells us that as with Jesus, so too with us. For Christians, the conformity pattern means as with Jesus, so too with us. First Peter chapter two, verse 21 says it like this. It says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you could follow in his footsteps. This is what it looks like visually. Here's a graphic of a train, as you can see in the front of the train is the engine and the back of the train are the train cars and the caboose. You could call this the leader and the followers. And obviously, you know what's going to happen. Whichever way the leader goes, the followers are sure to follow. And so, so too with the conformity pattern or this principle that we see in Scripture, as with Jesus, so too with us. For believers, for Christians, for people who are connected to him, if we are coupled to him, if we are joined to Christ via the indwelling of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Christ's Spirit indwells us and joins us to him And therefore, whatever he goes through, we go through as well. If he goes through a tunnel, we go through the tunnel. If he goes through the rain, we go through the rain. If he goes over the bridge, up the mountain, around the corner, down the hill, wherever he goes, that's where we go as well. That's the conformity pattern. So how then does that help me, Pastor Jeremy? I mean, how does that inform my struggle? How does that give me joy today. I know earlier you said there's joy out ahead of this, but what about our struggles today? What the conformity pattern does is it pulls us through our struggles by being coupled to Christ. It shows us how those struggles are not random haphazard events, but intentional moments for the transformation of our souls. Let me remind you what the purpose of struggle or suffering or persecution is as defined by 1 Peter. There are three purposes, one of which is that it refines us, the second is that it honors us, and the third is that it assures us. It refines us, it honors us, and it assures us. First of all, one of the positive outcomes of our struggle is refinement. Refinement. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jeremy? Well, think about the coronavirus. No doubt all of us have had different experiences with it. And I don't know whether you're a first responder or an essential worker or what your profession has been deemed or what situation you're in, whether you've lost your job or whether you're waiting to see. I have no idea. God knows and God is good, and God will take care of you. But what I see in my limited vision is this. This pandemic, this thing that we are all experiences experiencing in one way or another is refining us. What it's doing is forcing us to examine ourselves down to our very core. And the way it does it is this, essentially... Before this thing, all of our lives are wrapped up in various activities, things that we think are really important and we're really passionate about. It may be our family, it may be our job, it may be our career, it may be our hobbies, it may be extracurriculars or whatever, but we think whatever it is we're doing is the most important thing in the entire world. We're all about that, and many of our lives are wrapped around it, and all of a sudden, things come screeching to a halt. And we're compelled to look at those things in a very front and center way and say, are these essential? Is this essential to my life and well-being? And what we soon discover so quickly is so many of those things that our lives were wrapped around, all of a sudden are shown very clearly to be non-essential. And then we start struggling with that because emotionally that's hard because this has frankly been an idol in my life. This is something that I thought was most important and I was all about this and I thought I might have even been doing it for good reasons or for ministry purposes or because I thought Jesus wanted me to. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Poof, what happened? On more than one occasion I've seen some very dramatic impacts in people's lives. As our idols are cut down and we're forced to examine ourselves to the very core and we realize this is the struggle that's refining us. God is calling us to look in the mirror very closely and say what truly is most important my life. Struggle refines us. And that's a good thing. None of us would want for our friends or family or even perhaps our worst enemies to suffer under the coronavirus. Yet what we see is that by going through it, indeed, we come out better on the other side. It may be a long time, maybe a difficult process, but the end result is betterment. That's the way God works. God does all things in the end for the good of those who love him, for his glory, his gospel, which turns out to be our good. One of the purposes of struggling is refinement. Next couple of purposes, I won't spend as much time on because I think we did earlier in an earlier sermon. But another purpose is to honor us. You know, the struggle is an honor because what that means is God considers us worthy. You wouldn't put your worst soccer player in at the best or most important moment of the game. If there's a hard thing and God has called you to go through it, that's because he believes you can and he will help you to do so. So it's an honor. It's an honor to be counted worthy. And finally, it's an assurance, an assurance that that we belong to Christ. If we were following our leader and we never had any struggle, we'd really have to ask, are we actually following our leader? Because our leader, Jesus, went through a tremendous amount of struggle. But the fact that we go through struggle assures us that indeed we are coupled with him. Because just like he went through struggle, so too will we. So it has a number of positive effects. First of all, what we're saying in the book of First Peter is, look, there's tremendous joy ahead. If you look down the road, what you see is at the end of the day, despite all the twists and turns, ups and downs, speed bumps, potholes, storms, whatever, that there is joy ahead. But to get to that joy, inevitably we have to go through some struggle. And through that struggle, even though no struggle feels good at the time, we can understand from God's word that it has positive effects, purifying effects, refining effects. It it honors us and it assures us that we are coupled to Christ. So the first point, thinking about the fact that there's joy ahead, one of the things that it does for us is that it gives us joy today knowing that our struggles will result in something good, that they have a positive net outcome, that they have a positive effect. The second thing that that joy ahead does for us is that it assures us that Everything ends well. That the outcome is not up for grabs, but instead we know that Jesus wins and therefore, because we are coupled to him, we win too. Now, as we think about this, I want to step back for a moment and sort of walk us through that process. If you're a Christian, you've probably heard Christianese questions like, What would Jesus do? And that's a very good question that we can ask ourselves, and often we do so a little bit too late. And we do something and we look in the mirror and we think, Oh man, that is not what Jesus would have done. Now I feel terrible. Here I am under this conformity pattern, called to be more like Christ, but every day I look in the mirror, it feels like I'm not that can be tremendously discouraging. But the encouraging part of it is the conformity pattern tells us not only our struggles for temporary refinement, but they are an ultimate assurance. They're not just a command, but they are a promise, a promise. Just like Jesus was raised, so too will we be raised. Just like Jesus was given a new body, so too will we be given a new body. Just like Jesus was glorified, so too will we be glorified. And just like Jesus never, ever, ever had to suffer again, so too will his followers, when they are glorified, never suffer again. True, we're not perfect. True, we have a long way to go. True, it can be very discouraging. True, it can feel like three steps forward and two steps back or maybe even three steps, two steps forward and three steps back. But at the end of the day, the joy ahead, the promises of God assure us that we have this hope as an anchor of the soul that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it and neither height nor depth nor powers nor principalities nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, we have this hope as an anchor of a soul. We know that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised and we shall be changed. I think I can hear your amens and hallelujahs right now. Set your sights on this, set your hope, set it fully on the joy that is to come, on the grace, on the inheritance, on the salvation, on the imperishable things that God has set before us. And then what happens is as you go through your daily life, you'll realize that, yeah, struggles are going to come my way. And that's part of the process. Pain is natural and normal And it's something that God will get us through. So as a result, when they come, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 say, Beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at these fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Instead, instead, rejoice. Rejoice in far as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you also may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. For as with Jesus, so too with us, just like Jesus went through suffering, we'll go through suffering. And just like Jesus' suffering ends in triumph, so too will our suffering as well. What began in suffering ends in triumph. Joy ahead means that our struggle is not in vain, but instead it will have positive effects even now. And in the end, it ends well. Therefore, let those who struggle or suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Trust the king. He's worthy of our trust. Hook into that chain. Get on to that ride. Buckle up. Hold on. For as it stands in scripture, behold, God is laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame father in heaven we thank you and praise you for your good and gracious god lord we know that there is tremendous struggle ahead but even greater than that there's joy and that joy overcomes all our hurt lord and i pray that you'll help us to focus on that help us to pursue that help us to remember it's refining and purifying assuring and honoring effects So that when those things come our way, we won't be stressed, that we won't be surprised, but that we will suffer well and struggle on trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now don't leave yet got another couple of things I want to say to you. It's not the sermon itself, but it's just a little update on where our church has been and where our church is going as a church that is called to follow Jesus Christ. How do we do that today? Indeed, all churches everywhere are called to the joy ahead. All churches everywhere are called to proclaim the glory of God and the gospel of God. But what does that look like for Midland Evangelical Free Church? Your elders and I and the pastors and lay leaders and others have been part of this envisioning process for nearly the last year. It began with prayer and seeking the Lord's will. We're doing our very best to make sure that this is not a man-driven process, but this is a God-driven process. And as a result, before we ever even started asking questions, we started in prayer. Every Monday morning at 6 a.m. for a long time, the elders got together and prayed. Then eventually what we did is we called in uh, certain focus groups and different lay leaders of different ministries, and we asked for their inputs, and we diverged. And then eventually what we did is we had some facilitators come in, and they helped us converge and bring that stuff together, and we got some big categories. We tried to definitize all that information and uh, assimilate it, and then we took some time and sort of stewed on that, and then the elders came back, and we introduced it to the pastors, and... We talked with them, and then we went away for a retreat, and we came back, and we find it for some more. And as you can see, this process went on for quite some time because we wanted to get it right. We didn't want to rush into it. We didn't want it to be any single person's idea, but instead what we wanted it to be was God's vision for our church for the future. And now I'm pleased to announce that we believe we have that. If you go to our website right now, mefchurch.org, under About, you'll see our mission and vision. And if you were part of the email chain, you've received it as well. And what that email that went out on May 7th did is it gave you our mission and vision. And it was it was on May 7th from the Elder Board, the subject was new vision and mission, statements with biblical support references. And so what we did is we said, okay, here they are. And now for many of the key terms, here's the underlying scripture that we believe is driving that process. And so in the next 2 minutes here, what I'd like to do, maybe 3, my kids are probably going to start timing that, is read those to you. And if you want to pursue it further, we would welcome you to look up that email that went out on May 7th from the elder board, and if you have questions, feel free to address those back to the elder board. We'll get back with you as soon as we can. And Continue to pray about this and ask yourself the question, how does God want me to live this out both in my life and then in the life of my local body at the Church of Midland Free? And we recognize we're in the middle of Corona right now and so things are going to be different, but we did not want to just totally put this aside. Instead, we want to continue to pursue God and follow his will. And so what this is, is it's a contextualized or um, culturally specific area, specific vision and mission of where we believe God wants us to go. The vision is the big picture, the 30,000 foot level, and the mission is more of the shoe level level. And you'll see the layers as they come down through each sentence. So let me read those to you. You're going to see, uh, them written on the bottom of the screen, and you can go ahead and write them down, but they're also on our website I want you to take some time to digest it and pray about it and see how you can implement this in your life as a member of the local body of Christ Jesus. Vision. Here's the vision for Midland Evangelical Free Church in mid-Michigan in 2020 and beyond. We aspire to be a gospel-centered family where everyone we encounter moves closer to Jesus every day. Mission. We enjoy and glorify God, embrace His Word, and engage the world. Led by the Spirit, everyone at Midland Free welcomes, everyone plugs in, and everyone reaches out. We believe that if you do this, if we do this, if we come together and do this, that by God's grace, This will lead us into a place that is better than anywhere we've ever been before. Being gospel-centered is the core of what it means to be a Christian. This is of first importance. You'll see that in 1 Corinthians and some of these other verses. There's nothing more important than the good news of Jesus' victory and coming kingdom. That is what the church is all about. That's what distinguishes us from everything else the good news of the gospel. It's that thing that brings us together as a family. And it's that thing that moves us closer to Jesus. And it's that thing that helps us see others we encounter as desperate sinners in need of a savior who we desperately desire to see coming closer to Christ as well. And we believe if we are doing this, that we will enjoy God, that we will glorify him just like the church has for thousands of years by embracing his word, the ultimate standard of truth, and engaging the world, that thing which he is going to save. And here in our local body, we do that very specifically and tangibly by listening to the Holy Spirit. And when we hear that little voice in our ear say, hey, what about them? We go over and we welcome. And we may not be hugging and kissing. We may be wearing face masks, but we welcome. And we encourage them. And they have the responsibility too. And we do as well, plug in and use our spiritual gifts to build up the body for the glory of God. And as we do so, we become stronger and stronger. And as a result, we can reach out and change the world. This is the mission and vision that God has given the elder board for the people of Midland Free. And we pray that you'll be a part. Father in heaven, again, I thank you for today. Thank you for the special calling you've placed on our lives. Thank you for this special calling as a church. Thank you that for whatever reason, you decided to use the church to save the world. Lord, we pray that your name would be lifted up above all others. It's a beautiful name. It's a glorious name. And we pray that you'd come back soon and find us doing exactly what you called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.